0: Welcome to another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben, powered by Behind the Racket. Mike Cation and Noah Ruben, we are actually together. You are, for some reason, uh, looking just like you were in Titanic, and I'm supposed to paint you like one of the French girls right now, and it's very awkward for me i got to be honest.
1: Usually when you say this stuff, it's okay, but now that you're looking directly in my right. eyes... It's
0: very weird, it's, right? Yeah, it's a little too sensual for me, to be honest. Yeah, uh, You should try working in radio sometime and just have <laughs> to do that for four straight hours with people who are farting and, and making that's why terrible jokes you and... guys
1: don't have many friends yeah yeah no, yeah that but makes sense we,
0: we we have huge egos though that well <laughs> that's the important thing <laughs> coffee cast is brought to you by new balance with wimbledon now in the books it's time for all new kits all new colors players are already receiving their out- new outfits gearing up for the u.s open just about a month check out all the latest styles by visiting newbalance.com how was your week
1: off it was nice yeah really enjoyable Oh, my God. Hot as hell, though. Yeah. It's been brutal.
0: Uh, Have you heard of this thing called global warming?
1: Yeah. I thought it was supposed to also get cold as well well
0: the extreme see we yeah. had we had that whole thing the polar vortex in yes. the winter you remember how miserable that was when it was like negative 30 in chicago that is true and now we have the exact opposite see these things are happening more and more more and more yeah
1: i heard it doesn't exist as well from some people which i don't understand how that could be the case since it's 110 degrees outside also
0: also <laughs> the, the earth is apparently flat too i galileo man so we're, we're in binghamton Yes, um, we are. Um, I, I got to tell my day has been uh, crap. Uh, my travel day, but I, I one thing that we kind of bonded over like last year uh, was comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, which is how this really this Coffee Cast was actually inspired. Yes, and a uh, whole new season. So I watched the entire <laughs> entire <laughs> season while on planes today,
1: which I have not. I've seen a few episodes, but I mean, just people talking. Yeah, like. There's just something about it, and and just Jerry Seinfeld directing the whole thing, having them out there, having so them comforting. Out there? Yeah.
0: Oh, in the... you mean the comedians? Yes. I thought you meant the. Well, I mean, considering the way you're seated right now, with having them out there.
1: <laughs> you see, this is why we can't do it in person. I can't do this.
0: <laughs> uh, it, that that's the thing for me is just when you have two people. Um, who have a mutual respect for each other and are that funny and that comfortable with each other. And so some of them are really good. Some of them are kind of lacking. The Ricky Gervais ones was, are highly entertaining. Yes. Oh. Go back and watch the the first time he was on as well. It was perfect. I could watch Ricky Gervais all day, actually. He's hysterical. He is. His new show on Netflix, whew,
1: really dark. A super dark humor, though. Yeah. But it was great. Uh, he does it really well.
0: Did you do The Stranger Things yet?
1: Two episodes in. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's a few There's a few shows on right now I have to catch yeah, up on. Yeah, I really so. have some work to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, all. Haven't,
0: I haven't missed enough flights yet for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have night matches this week, so I might actually watch some, there you some go. Netflix during the week. Uh, we are in Binghamton. Of course, the week that went past, finished up today. I, I think the big one for, for us that we might have been watching just a little bit of was Newport. Yes. Um, the crazy grass courts of Newport. Uh, John Isner, not surprisingly, yeah. gets through. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this puts him one title ahead of uh, you know, Illini legend, Rajiv Ram. Uh, I mean, Rampris. Something I knew nothing about. Yes. Two titles in Newport.
1: Ah, yeah. was it two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, anything can happen there. We actually, the players were making fun that we don't even know why they were showcasing this on the Tennis Channel. Really? It was some of the most boring tennis. I mean, anything can happen. Hey, but Bubs came through and made it to the final. He did, and John said he was the quirkiest tennis player he's ever played against, and he meant that in a kind way. But I mean, there is some sp- talk that the courts are getting ripped up for the first yeah. time in a long time, which is necessary because I think there's definitely like squirrels living underground at this point. Like, gophers,
0: I think or whatever. they're bowl weevils. <laughs> Boll weevils. Um, <laughs> how do how do you feel about Bubs?
1: I, I like. Isn't there, I think it's good for tennis. I think I we, do too. Yeah, I think we just need the not caring, nonchalant tennis player in the world that, you know, has that exciting game as well and almost a low-key Kyrgios in a way. Yeah. And, you know, he'll do his stuff and he has his antics, but it's nowhere near as controversial. And it's
0: I think it's really fun to watch. It's, it's interesting because when he was with us last year, last summer, mm-hmm. he won Aptos. Hmm. Um And I, I struggled with it, whereas I didn't struggle with Kyrgios. Okay. Um, and, and it felt like it was, um, I think, forced at the time, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's kind of developed and been more comfortable in his own style now, whereas I think last year, it really felt like he was trying to impress everybody, where now it's just part of who he is. And I think that, that growth um, I mean, has it, really made him much more entertaining. 100%. I think
1: he's an extremely talented tennis yes. player. I played him um, seven six in the 3rd uh, in Newport Beach a couple of years ago, and Here's a guy that at any point it could be three aces in a row, four aces in a row, and then he yeah. can shank a couple balls, and he drop shots you, hits a service line, then he drop shots you again, and then goes back on his side. Anything right. can happen, but again, I think you're right on the ball. Um, he was definitely putting on a show a little too much and not really knowing what he felt comfortable doing. Yeah, and then it got to a point where he's like, "Now I'm good."
0: It's interesting to contrast him with Kyrgios. That's where who's always going to be contrasted with, and. Uh, I think Nick, it feels to me like from, you know, from my vantage point that he's still kind of at a low point where his, his care about tennis, if you will, is not quite there, which is totally fine. Right. Of course. Um, but it feels like, you know, I, I, I kind of expect that at some point from Nick. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. And I don't, really care if he ever does it but like that that idea of growing into using kind of the the quote-unquote antics along with incredible tennis it's there for him too
1: yeah i think it's definitely possible i don't that's decided i don't know why he wouldn't be a part of it i mean try the points you don't i mean try the points you want to you know do the antics throughout, and you'll win more matches you'll get more money and you could you know be at the top level of sport which i do think he enjoys regardless of how much he hates it he loves playing the top sure. guys.
0: he wants that stage.
1: I don't know. Give yourself that you know the opportunity
0: but I, I think here the thing for me is like i don't it doesn't bother me if he never does it. No, you know because I, I, he's living what he thinks is the best life for him, and i say, do your thing and <laughs> like right now he's in, he's in Atlanta he's playing some dubs. right. God bless you
1: again, and people outside the world of tennis don't understand this, but being in it and yeah. dealing with problems. It just on tour, those yeah, on tour yeah, yeah. problems, I totally respect it. I do too. I mean, he found what he thinks in his head, at least right now, is happiness and just content. And how are we supposed to take that away from him? Yep. Yes, there's some things he probably crosses a line with, but everything else, this is perfect. I mean, if you could find happiness and financial stability yes. in this sport, God, you've
0: won leaps and bounds above everybody else. So, So why are you here? Um, because you I, I I think this was not on the podcast, um, but I think maybe in Little Rock we were talking about upcoming schedules. Yes. And I brought up Binghamton. Yes. Uh, your your sister, your lovely sister, <laughs> went to school here. Yes. Um and you said you there was no way you were gonna be coming here. And no. yet here you are. Here I am. In in my hotel room. I mean <laughs> really this is this yeah, is no, this is a win for everybody
1: <laughs> <laughs> including the uh university. Um You know, I I played Atlanta and D.C. last year, had great success at those two tournaments. But a lot of people don't know, and they actually ask me, how does scheduling work? As a tennis player, how does it work? How do you go about it? What part of the world do you go to? You know, there's a billion things that go into it, but the top are financials as a tennis player, ranking, and, you know, previous locations that you've enjoyed going to. You know, this is everything that goes into effect. So this year, for whatever reason, Atlanta had a stronger acceptance list so the cutoff for Atlanta was originally let's say 130 mm-hmm. which you know last year I was at kind of the similar ranking point that I'm at now yeah. you know 160 170 I, and I believe I was seeded last year it did drop but it didn't the list didn't drop enough for me to take the chance to go to Atlanta so I had to you know make sure I got into a tournament this
0: week yeah
1: you know I'm um, I'll backtrack a little bit, you know, for people to understand really yeah. how it goes on. So for a challenger, you have to sign up on our portal, which mm-hmm. is, you know, not for the public, three weeks before the event. You know this. You get all the lists. Yep. And as soon as that hits on Monday at noon or whatever it is, and then in that two hours later, you have the ex- acceptance list. And right. the acceptance list is everybody who signed up for that tournament. And they have a number next to their name saying what priority they are, you know, saying that this is their number one priority, this is where they're coming to, no matter what. And, you know, you're looking at the acceptance list, seeing, you know, there's certain ranking points where you don't know where you're going to get into. You know, the challengers at my level, I know I'm going to get into. Hopefully, I'm seated. Um, But the ATP, you know, the qualifying of ATPs is all up in the air, and there's some I think I'm going to get into. And then you have an understanding that it, you know, people will drop out, so you have right. an opportunity, but it's tough. It's extremely tough to say at the last second, four days before the event, where am I going? I still don't know where I'm going. So sometimes you have to sacrifice and say, I'm going to go to a lower-level tournament, prepare my, you know, my state of mind to say, I'm playing Binghamton this week instead of waiting around, hoping I get into Atlanta, or go as an alternate. You know, sign in, go, and, and get in because somebody dropped out the last second. Yeah, that's a really difficult thing to do, but here I am in Binghamton.
0: Uh, we're we're all thankful for it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Bearcats I... and all. <laughs> um, it, it, so that's that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today: was scheduling and the, the difficulties of them. Um, so so how how far out do you plan your schedule? At, as a challenger-level player, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me calling you that for for the— I love journeyman. I'm a 23-year-old
1: journeyman. I got this twice now in the past couple weeks, and yeah. I freaked out. Uh, the, the point
0: being <laughs> yes. Federer, for example, if we take the pinnacles, right? Yes. Federer prints out his schedule for the entirety of the year. And highlights whatever he wants to play. And he can play whatever he wants to play, right? Right. So you, as as a guy in the 100 to 200 range— Yes. How far in advance are you able to plot out what you want to do, when you want to do it, um, and throughout the year?
1: It's basically a Google Doc that has mostly two options, sometimes three, but it has two columns. And I'm planning out my ideal situation, but ideal, but is, I mean, rational. And then I have the one that is almost a safety net. Okay. And, you know, there's definitely – through the rational column. There's definitely tournaments I know I'm going to get into. But then once you start putting in those 250 qualities and everything, then it's like, well, if I don't get in there early, like if it's really strong in the beginning, here's the other tournament that I could possibly play that week. And I'm planning, you know, two, three months in advance for this kind of stuff. And that's all. That's all. That's all right now. Because I feel like it gets. First of all, tennis changes. Yeah. The rankings change constantly. All of that. You know, I've had to, you know, switch schedules within weeks. So, you know, I've seen that the two to three month range, yes, for the most part, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of the year. That's always kind of in my head. Yeah. You have an understanding, unless you make a really big jump either way, you know, up or down. But yeah, two to three months in advance, I have an understanding of two columns of what I could possibly play. And it's a difficult situation because you know, throughout the process of choosing the tournament, you're sacrificing something. You're always going to be sacrificing something. You play at the HP level; you're probably playing tougher matches, tougher opponents, and you know you might not get the points you're wanting to. Yeah. And then at the challenger level, you go broke. So that's what you deal with. This yeah. is these are the decisions you're making constantly. Um, you know, kind of giving just for the listeners out there an idea. You're in the qualifying of a two hundred and fifty, which I equate that to playing a challenger yes. first round. I would agree. First round, you win in a 250 qualifying, is 6 points. And if you qualify, it's 12 points. Yep. And I'm going to take the first round away from challengers with the 48 draw. I'm going to say if yes. you're seated, yes, yeah, yeah, you win your first round in Binghamton, 7 points. Right. You win your second, it's 15. So the first two rounds actually higher points at a challenger level. Right. But then we go to money. Yep. You lose first round, it's $1,500 you lose first round of the challenger, you know, if you're seated it's 500. Right. And then it goes to 3000 for qualifying, uh 3000 for losing. Yep. You know, In last draw, round yeah. of qualifying yep. and then 850. So it's it's tripled basically money-wise, but points they're the same. So this is what you deal with. You you have to figure out you know, do I want to take the risk and play those two fifties for higher opportunity at the top with points and definitely more money? Or do I play the challengers and, and get, you know, you know, hopefully a couple easy rounds to say, even though nothing's easy but easier rounds. Yeah. And, you know, get some points under my belt, some matches and that this is what we deal with all the time.
0: Yeah, it's really good. interesting you mentioned that because I think a lot of people will look at this draw in Binghamton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, I mean, we've got some alternates still right. in the draw as, yes. of, as of tonight. It's Sunday night as we record this, which is, uh, which um, which yes. is really rare. Yes. Um. But it's just one of these things where people will look at this draw and say, boy, that's an easy draw. Then you look at some of the seeded players and you're like, well, no, no, not at all. No. Maybe you have one first round matchup that's a little bit easier, second round for you, um, maybe. But then you're, I mean, you're... Playing, you're playing a very good player, right? Oh, yeah. And so you
1: Stokowski, it could be Grandelaire. I mean you have yeah. a number of top top players and that's a difficulty. And that's why you're like, well I just played three hours for like four hundred and fifty dollars. And
0: so what's what's interesting to me though is I actually was talking to somebody downstairs who said the this exact thing. This looks like an easy draw, but then I find it's actually harder in some of those matches because you have a guy who comes in who's 400 mm-hmm. in the world, and this is desperate, right? Like this is you are fighting for everything, so you're not playing in a futures, right? Especially
1: again. with you know now the difference between the futures and challengers yes. is, is even so much further and you know more severe that this is life or death for a lot of these players. They don't see the main draw, yeah. I mean, 400, you can get a player who's five, 600 now that will really, truly not see a challenger draw possibly for the rest of the year. Yeah. So they're, they are going to, I mean, literally leave their body out there to get the three, seven points, whatever it is, because they know what it takes at the future
0: level is far more. So here's where I think some of the intricacies and the real difficulties, the real questionable things happen. Yes. So... We have this situation this week, and we were planning on doing scheduling before we knew that there were going to be alternates in this draw. I, I happen to be talking to Aaron Hiltzik over the weekend. Okay. He's entered in Champagne. Okay. The, the, where the futures is, the 25K yes. this coming week. If, if I am correct, can he drive up right now to Binghamton to sign in? Do you know? Because I don't. Because I but because there he is cannot. a rule with the one one tournament per week correct
1: but he cannot he cannot he doesn't have the opportunity to further his career if need be and also he's sacrificing because he's leaving the basically the same day that he's going to be playing and trying to get to have this incredible opportunity that he hasn't had prior but he can't and we've all dealt with it. Uh, recently, it's been a little bit larger of an issue. Yeah. Um. So first, quickly, I've dealt with my experience was I was trying to pull out of a tournament and to play a UTR event, and I asked if I have any free withdrawals, which means I'm allowed to pull out of the acceptance list past the sign-in deadline, and they said yes. But they knew what I was asking because hmm. in the next sentence they said, but you can't play any other tournament or special tournament or match during that week. So, no UTR events, no World Team Tennis, no exhibitions, nothing. So, this is where, you know, I understand parts of it. I understand they don't want to lose players if they're starting to market players. But here I am, a qualifier in an ATP event where another player will take my spot and they won't care about it in more than enough time before the tournament. I can't have the opportunity to make more money in a sport that I don't make money in already solely because of this rule. And it feels – I don't want to call it a dictatorship, but they have full autonomy – I mean mm-hmm. full control, I feel like, over everything. There's a rule for everything. We haven't read all the rule books. I mean, we don't know. I actually did once. Did you really? Yeah,
0: a couple years ago. I mean, that's a feat amongst itself. True story was during another flight delay. Oh, God. (laughs) But that's beside the point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But here's an opportunity where I have to make a lot of money, potentially. But they're saying no. They're saying you can't pull out using a free pullout. So they're okay that I'm pulling out of the tournament. How
0: many pullouts are you allowed per year?
1: Two at every level.
0: Okay. Why, so, can we also, like, not call them pullouts? Just saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. we're going to stop at that. Withdrawals. Yep. It's just not the same, though. <laughs> <laughs> so two withdrawals at every level. Yeah. That's even 250 to 500, too. Okay. Um, I have the opportunity, and they don't allow it. And it's free. It's okay. I understand if it's after my two free ones. But this is free, so I'm going to pull out regardless. Yeah. And you're saying I, I can't? Like, you're not going to penalize me, and then you're going to penalize me. And that's the issue. And here's Aaron or any of the players who want the opportunity to play this tournament, and they can't. If they pull out, that's done. And these are the issues that we deal with and we face. And I'm sure sure you've dealt with it even more talking to the players because I feel like you've had the opportunity to just be around a large majority of them at – interesting moments in their yeah. careers well
0: so many of the, so many times it's players who just are not necessarily uh, familiarized with all of the intricacies of the withdrawal rules where they can get in if they've already signed up for something else and the draw has already been made and those type of things and they just don't have the detail that's this kind of goes back and this is going to be a weird transition but sharapova's meldonium yes. a couple years ago you know like the, the fact that I, the way I've always thought about it is she should have known because she has enough people around her to tell her, right. If you are playing in 15 Ks and 10 Ks, whatever it's been in years past, and then you're asked to come up with the intricacies of withdrawing from a future. So you could drive 12 right. hours. You, you just don't, you, you don't so have know. that necessary knowledge. Um, and, and so I, I think for me simplifying those rules
1: is necessary
0: is necessary
1: no it is it truly is but and i'm cynical i'm cynical in the way i think in in this regard that the the rules are the way they are to prevent the thought to prevent people from even thinking that it's a possibility yeah and that's where i think the problems lie is that the players aren't in control of anything anymore and that's that's the real issue i mean another situation was i was six out of an atp event yeah but i was also so i was professional i signed up for a challenger yeah and you can only put up so there's a a a toolbar that you could press press up to five out and that will keep you on the list but i was six or seven out so i know i'm going to get into that atp event because i but they already took me out of there because I went automatically into the challenger. So I don't even have the opportunity. I had to take the risk and not sign up for the challenger. And that's the problem. I just believe that, you know, this is something that I've dealt with. I, I've had the issue. Here, here I am, not able to try to further my career, get some more money at an ATP event. And I'm thrown right into the challenger. So I, I knew I was going to get in. I mean, six spots in an ATP, that's almost automatic, you yeah. know, through qualifying and wild cards and all of this. And I wasn't able to. And I think players feel helpless. You know, we get the rule book. Yeah, we have it. Here is this manual that looks like, I mean, a Harry Potter book, for God's sakes. And, you know, we have to go through all of this. And that that's where, you know, there are definitely people in the ATP that want to help and, and they're kind and they want to be there for you. But... There's only so much they can do. They're not going to go through all the rules for every player, and I just feel we're not protected in that way, that the rules are almost meant to not, to, you know, not get us through these situations and not help us further our careers, and that's the issue. I, I just get lost in the system almost, and, that, and players do. They get lost in the system. And they don't try to maneuver their way through because it is so complicated.
0: This will once again force me to ask the question, why don't you have a union? Why are you not separate as players from tournaments at the ATP level?
1: Separate from players.
0: I mean, if, if you have lawyers that are representing both, you know, the ATP is representing both the tournaments and the players. Oh, it's absurd. I mean, that's, that's my, like, why are we still doing this?
1: Yeah. I, because again, and this is not to put down the people that left the council. Yeah. But when the going gets tough, And I understand, I understand that they felt it was nearly impossible and I heard from people and you know, I heard from Stokowski and these guys and it was some real issues going on and and it seemed like it was an impossible battle, which it kinda was. But we have to get truly have to get forces. I'm talking about people hand in hand, like the everybody from eighty to 300 yeah. literally in an email blast and getting everybody and saying ATP we want to sit down with you. Yeah. I don't know if the player council is the right way to go because I almost feel like that's being re- relegated within it I don't you know regulated I'm sorry within its own little self and I get worried about that that's why I try to you know go my own path but it seems like a scary place. It really does it seems like there's no way out right now and we're being controlled but And that's why I see some other players going their own ways, like Avastic and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And they're they're doing things on their own. And there's definitely some hopeful thinking and things that are on the horizon right now. But it's all trying to be optimistic. I don't know. It's a very difficult situation.
0: On a more positive note, um, I know you and I both had time to at least just kind of flip on World Team Tennis throughout the last week um i'm sure if you haven't watched it yourself at home you've probably seen some highlights on tennis twitter instagram <laughs> luke bambridge doing crazy luke bambridge things Pasha um,
1: hitting venus in the back of the head <laughs> which honestly i'm sorry A. venus if you ever get to listen to this he's super proud of because he like because <laughs> he, <laughs> he gets to just share the story all the time it's hard to call you out Pasha, but it is hysterical <laughs> he's like did you see it <laughs> But um, I, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to World Team Tennis. Uh, you know I know sometimes we get on the negative side of things. Mm-hmm. We both Not love. <laughs> <laughs> we both love tennis yeah. so so much. Yeah. I mean, it is a true passion of ours. I've done it since birth. I'm sure you've gone pretty close. Mm-hmm. I want to see it thrive, and and World Team Tennis, especially this year. You know, they've had their difficulties. I see a lot of smiles yeah I see a lot of happiness, good I see a lot of honestly the an incredible job by the marketing team yep. they really stepped up it was it was exciting to say the least I mean, to see tennis in that format you know i I don't know the money they got from that, I don't know the actual numbers be in my head successful, yeah. That's great to see. I mean, it makes me so happy that people are enjoying the sport. You see kids having fun, parents having fun, you know, laughter, people chanting, coaches, screaming, everything. Everything's happening. And this is where the sport's at its best. We still have the highlights. We still have beautiful tennis. We still have the fist pumps. We still have the emotion. I don't know if people don't get that. Like the true, what they say, the lovers of the sport from back in the day, like we're going to lose the tradition. We still have tennis.
0: And on top of it, I think we have players who are playing freely because they don't have to worry about money at that point.
1: I mean, you take out the fact that they're not sleeping in – they don't know the hotel they're sleeping at that night and and all these other issues. They get to play and enjoy. I mean, some of the players I saw smiling, God, it's been a long time since I've seen them smile on a tennis court. I mean, so, so long. I, it saddens me. This is an incredible sport and we all love it. We all love the actual sport. It's the system. It's the, the tour, quote unquote, that it's like, you know, I, I start finding myself telling kids like not to play on tour. Like I never thought I would be that person. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe just research a little more of what goes into becoming a professional tennis player. And now watching World Team Tennis, it has everything. It has everything that you could want besides ATP points and that's that's where that's where we you know we have to get to a point where this is all collaborative in a way but it's it's a great thing to see and I'm so happy it it really makes me happy
0: Uh, Tommy Paul and and Michael Moe yesterday yes three hours and whatever two minutes three minutes yeah it's It's brutal
1: and no it was yeah it was and to play today today and to play two matches taught me how to play again which is super fun to tell you, you know, to say the least. I've you, you haven't it.
0: mentioned that twice on the podcast yeah. at all. Oh my god, <laughs>
1: to play two matches, and I've done it twice now, where my opponent has only played one match. Right. It's just like put my put, throwing my head against the wall. It's it's
0: brutal. But uh, so you're in Binghamton. I am. I'm in Binghamton. We're, We're going to start broadcasting here. in actually less than 12 hours <laughs> uh, now at this point. But eh, um, rain. I, I'll be fine. Uh, there's a good coffee shop around the corner. It's actually, knees and toes, too. Knees and toes? Oh. Oh.
1: Knees and toes cafe? No. I was... Shout out to my sister for that one.
0: Oh, goody. Oh, uh, this one, I believe, is called Full of Beans. Full of beans. Yeah, I, I think that's right.
1: Interesting name. All for it, though?
0: Um, yeah, it's a very good coffee oh. shop. I might have to hit it a couple times tomorrow, but that's fine. <laughs> Um. So the big question for you specifically, yes. How are you going to have fun this week?
1: I think this is the fun, and I know, and and that's so sad to say. (laughs) That's so sad to say that like my sense of fun is Michael Cation. I mean, I never thought I would get to that point.
0: And on top of it, nobody calls me that. So
1: (laughs) So this seems like a loss for everybody. Yeah, I guess you kind of win for a compliment. Yeah, but. This is it. It's it's doing behind the racket. It is taking all my pictures. It's you know just getting out there. It's it's doing more stuff you and I. It's it's getting other people on the podcast. It's just I'm feeling and that's what I get in the challenger which I think you could find as well is that slight less professionalism of the tournament can actually aid you and I can aid just the friendliness of everything. And I'm not saying that ATPs and the people working there aren't friendly. I'm just saying there's just, just this more freeness. This... <laughs> and especially
0: here, uh, yes. the people are Extremely phenomenal.
1: hardworking. I mean, and nothing against Binghamton, but for the resources that they have, they make yes. an incredible use of them. Yep. So i, I all for it. And that's, and that's how you know tennis is such a great sport. You have people that are given nothing. That are just want to do the best for us.
0: Yep. And I applaud them for that. You know, it's the carousel capital of the world. Oh,
1: of course I know this.
0: <laughs> have you ever actually been on a carousel here in Binghamton? Back carousel. The one right by the courts at Rec Park. Of course. Okay.
1: Rec Park carousel. You I hear it's like a little bit
0: eerie. Dude, oh my God. You have no idea. You, oh, I do know. No, you N- don't.
1: Nighttime and you, you nobody's around. And you just see it going and you're like, what's happening next?
0: Two things. Number one, yes. I'm out there for 10, 11 hours straight with one headphone off. So you
1: start hallucinating regardless.
0: because yeah, I'm thinking the clown <laughs> from it is going to pop out of a sewer at some point and kill me because I hate clowns. That's number one. Ooh. Number two, a couple of years ago uh, when I was still staying on the production tour bus uh, before I got to actually have a hotel room, which you are gracing right now, uh, I, we would have to go shower in the uh, pool shower right next to – the uh, carousel. Yes. And so, what I would do if one of my coworkers was in the shower and it was dark, I would get on my phone some of the carousel clown music, and just start playing it in the middle of the pool showers, which were pitch black. Because that's the kind of asshole that I am. So they're just. I don't want my location again. That's not my name. Anywhere, Go on.
1: Anywhere near me? No, most people black.
0: don't. Most women don't.
1: Yeah. I hope we ended right there, <laughs> just right there. <laughs> but it is terrifying when you are done and it is kind of black and nobody's around right. and you're just you. Yeah, and
0: I, I mean that's that's the way to have fun. Binghamton. I, I'm gonna have a hell of a week, regardless of what you do. So I'm excited to say the least. Okay. Yeah. That's going to do it for the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben, powered by Behind the Racket. As always, you can get in touch with that gentleman by going to what's what's your NoahRuben thirty
1: three right. or Behind the Racket on all social media platforms. Yeah,
0: I'm Mike C. Tennis, uh, Twitter and on Instagram, and uh, yeah. I, I think that's really. I've gotten some Facebook messages lately. Um, Good for you. Yeah, most of them uh, actually scams. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well. You know, you probably respond anyway. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of desperate. It's tough out here. We will have another edition of the Coffee Cast for you.
1: And hopefully, some guests this week. We'll try to get a guest. Yeah, on absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got two microphones and three people, which should work. Yep. Uh, until then, Mike Katian signing off for Noah rubin You've been listening to the Coffee Cast with Katian and Ruben, powered by Behind the Racket.